and I'm intentionally going to start. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Too Much Free Time podcast. I'm your host, Mark Burris. With me, as always, is Peter Blankenship and John Girdler. You sound weathered. Like, it sounds like you've done that intro a lot and you're kind of tired of well, it. Do we need to shake it up a bit? I think I do at some point. I'm also like, the weather changes have been just destroying my sinuses. I've, I'm like... I'm on like three different things right now to try to stay level. So how's your uh, your chakra? My chakra? Is it chakra? Chakra? How's your Reiki energy? My Reiki energy is real high. I mean, Wait, I, is that bad? Which I one? don't know. All I know is I can feel some vibrations. <laughs> Hard to tell. I'm not attuned if it's negative or positive. I just feel a lot coming from that side of the table. There's a disturbance in the force. Yeah. Midichlorians are rumbling. Yeah, I'm, I'm all over and... I, I I need more Reiki healing, which I've never truly understood. I have Sage in the car. Like I watched a video though with the Reiki people, and they don't they don't. It's not like they massage you. They just like hold their hands mm-hmm. over you. Yeah, and it's just energy. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. It seems like bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> can light some incense or something. Is maybe. it? I wonder if it's one of those things where you have to believe it. You have to burn incense like, to if, cover it's the like smell one of those, the bullshit. Is it? It's got to be like a placebo <laughs> effect. Like if I believe hard enough that it's working, then maybe I'll feel like it's working. Yeah. This is not what we're supposed to be talking about. That was the movie last night, though. Your brain sees what you want to see, or you see what you want to see. But that's not the movie we're talking about. We're kind not talking of. about Reiki, even though Reiki could have been used in this movie. Yeah. Uh, John, it was your pick. Why don't you give us a little tidbit of what this movie uh, is? I'm happy to introduce this week's movie as Scream 2, the sequel. The sequel to the hit. Scream, yeah. Yeah, Wes Craven's uh, second installment of the franchise. Oh, yeah, for sure. Is it a franchise? Well, I think this is a good sequel to talk about because half of the movie is joking about what sequels are. And since we are tackling sequels this season, it it this almost would have been better to do first just because we could have walked through the different like jokes of what sequels were supposed to be. And like I wrote down, I mean, Randy only talks about two rules because the third one gets cut off. But yeah, which is like, if you want to make it to a franchise, don't. Yeah, which is, like, I, don't I get that joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like, as far as sequels go, I don't think this is a sequel that outdoes the original, but this is very much a fun sequel. Yeah, well, that scream to me anyway is just fun. Yeah. It's an adult Scooby-Doo. It really Always is. seen it that way. And they're super entertaining. How would you? Because there's there's four screen movies. How would you rank rank them? Are they going to do a fifth? By the way, I don't know. It would be kind of hard to make up rules for a fifth unless you have like a reboot sequel. Well, the fourth one's supposed to be making fun of reboots. Reboots, right? So the fifth one would be a continuation of the reboot cycle, or so. it could be a prequel making fun of prequels. Ooh, they didn't do a prequel sequel. What was the prequel sequel? They didn't. I'm oh, no, they didn't. That yeah. could be something. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they do that. But sorry, back. I asked you two questions. Yeah, about it. my order would yeah, be order. one, four, three. No, one, four, two, three. One, four, two, three. Yeah. Interesting. You put four before two. Oh, yeah. Four was so fun. I completely agree with that order. I, I thought four. four was really good. It was awesome. I haven't watched four in a little while, and I bet if I watched it now having seen... This one for the millionth time or whatever. I feel like I, I'd probably agree with you, but like my gut wants to go one, two, four, three, but eh, I could switch two and four pretty easily. I mean, we all agree three is the worst. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Three is by far yeah. the worst. I mean, I think just because video conferenced Randy from the afterlife, oh. I, I don't like. 
him not I don't being like in there. that. I also don't like the the ending the third movie's Who Done It. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, really underwhelming. That was all around bad. But uh, yeah, the fourth one is just really fun. I love the like, beginning of the fourth one. It's oh like yeah, three starts. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like yeah, <laughs> you almost get exhausted. Yeah, and you're movie. like, okay, whatever. <laughs> no, yeah, the fourth one. I remember turning to you in the theater, and that was one of my favorite theater experiences because we had some like crazy people in that theater. <laughs> but I remember turning to you after like the third one, being like, if it does it one more fucking time, I might leave. This is like unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, because it had that girl from um, Triple Dog, but she's also been in bigger things since yeah like girl boss i don't know her name and then uh it had one of the pretty little liars didn't it someone yeah and Allison then the, was and then actually we, in there and then we recognized the girl from prom because we had just yeah. watched that disney movie prom shout out to all the prom fans mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so that's a movie that actually uh has high schoolers playing high schoolers way to go yeah way to go oh man but but yeah, yeah. scream four great but yeah scream two it's it's fun it's a good yeah. sequel speaking of like this movie has a very similar opening, in my opinion, to Scream 4. It's not that like that level of meta as Scream 4 is, where it's a movie within a movie within a movie nonsense. But this one opens up with Jada Pickett-Smith, and I forgot that other actor's name. He looks like Hannibal Burris, but it's not. Wait, yeah. is, is oh, that is the- it Warren Chestnut? What's his name? Is he from SNL? Is it that guy? No, he's not. I don't think he's. Uh, now oh, feel- it's Omar Epps. It's Omar Epps. Um... They're going to see a movie, like the scary movie called Stab, that is based off of the original movie's storyline. From a, yeah, I love it. It's it's a great thing. It's I great. do laugh, like when you see bits of the movie through, like of Stab throughout Scream Two. It's really hard to talk about this because it's a movie yeah. within a movie thing. <laughs> but like when you see clips of Stab, I always think it's like why didn't, wouldn't the characters be very uncomfortable that the dialogue is that accurate to what took place <laughs> like it's based off the gail weathers book but gail wasn't there for all those conversations yeah <laughs> yeah no one was there for the drew barrymore part right. that's probably part of the humor of of scream oh, yeah that's definitely and, the meta humor part yeah i love wilson the wilson brevin in there oh luke wilson yeah. as I billy mean, loomis like, that <laughs> caught me so hilarious uh tori spelling is supposed to be sydney i meant to look it up before we started but i'm pretty sure that's a joke from the first movie when they're all around the water fountain and they're talking about like maybe they'll turn this into a movie and i think sydney says i'll probably get stuck with someone like tori spelling i think you're right i think that's like the joke and i love randy's joke where he's like at least you got david arquette yeah or or something like that he's like i got the guy who drove the carriage in one episode of like little house on the prairie or something he's like got the nobody <laughs> oh yeah the some of the meta humor to it's pretty funny when they when jada pinkett smith and omar epps go to this movie though this is the most unrealistic movie experience it's i've creepy. ever seen that, yeah that whole thing is just creepy anyway yeah first off i'm not i used to think when i like first saw this movie as a kid i remember thinking that it was really insensitive that they'd be making a movie based off a true story about like the murders of teenagers. Then as I grew up, I realized that's actually a very common practice. (laughs) (laughs) And before we get to the theater, sorry to interrupt you here, but they're walking in and he's talking to his girlfriend about like her wanting to see, like talking about the white people. Like it's a white person movie. I love when he interacts with the ticket booth guy. He's like, uh, do you have a movie that's a all black wardrobe, all black cast? 
Uh, oh like, yeah, like all black eyes, all. <laughs> and the ticket guy's just shaking and said smiling. It's like, how do you respond to that? Like, well, if you were in that situation, do you remember? Like, they made it into a Netflix show, and I've watched it. But there was a the movie called Dear White People, and that was one of the signature like joke scenes in Dear White People was they go to the movie theater and berate the the ticket guy for like the all white cast movies. And I remember thinking of being like, they stole that shit from Scream Two. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> But yeah, I love that intro. That is pretty funny because like she, Jada Pickett Smith wants to see like the Sandra Bullock movie playing <laughs> down the street. Do you think Wes Craven was able to have all these actors' names be dropped just because he's Wes Craven? Like he has enough clout in do you Hollywood. Have that permission to just say him? I feel like you do because it's a brand name. You know what I mean? I don't know. So I've all I, that's something I've wanted to look up because. I'd be weird to be if I was a celebrity watching a movie and then in the movie they just say my name like randomly in well, reference. Like, I don't to think something. Eminem got anyone's permission to shit talk them in his songs. Ah, uh, that's true. Ah, eh, I don't know. It's just something I thought was funny because it happened. Like we said with the Luke Wilson stuff and all that, Tori Spelling. Like, there's a lot of celebrity name drops in this world. So, and it sets the like. I like how many they make a lot of references to the '90s. They're like, oh, like. It's just crazy because we're in the 90s now. And like, I feel like the setting is very, it's very 90s. And oh, it brings yeah. us back. Very. Not that 90s. we were in college in that time, but. No, no. Still. The, uh, it's like, I just, I, it didn't bother me the first time I watched this movie. I guess now that I'm older and I'm more cynical, this movie theater experience, like, gave me anxiety like it pissed me off <laughs> i would leave i'd be like i don't care if these tickets are free i'm not watching a movie under this situation yeah and when the theater was getting mad at uh smith for screaming at the screen like yeah. they all were doing that yeah too. they're all like standing up like <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, oh yeah we haven't even talked about the souvenirs though this okay this people, is insensitive yeah people make <laughs> movies about real life events and there's reasons behind all that you do not fucking hand out the costume of the killer <laughs> to the audience to be like, oh, this will be fun. Are you kidding me? You don't go see a movie about like Ted Bundy and they give you like those weird horn room glasses shit as yeah. you go into the theater. Like that's terrifying. And the the knives too. Oh yeah, yeah the glow in the the stab vision yeah. when they turn on the black light so all the <laughs> knives glow green. Oh man. Truly insensitive. I caught one of the jokes or not jokes, one of the those guys in the screen mask that are like running around. I had to rewind it. Cause I was like, did I really just hear that? I think it, I can't remember. It's when they are in the theater and she leaves or when they're initially walking into the theater, but they're walking and two guys are like chasing each other. Be like, <laughs> I'm going to stab you. Because <laughs> oh, you stabbed me. <laughs> it's legitimately like they just like walk off. It's like, why did they feel the need to ADR that? Like, <laughs> it's just two bros chasing each other. <laughs> I'm going to stab you. <laughs> really oh. just sets the mood. Also, terrible name for a movie. Stab. Like, yeah. Ah. Like, why wouldn't they have just... I don't know. I, I guess it's just like a tongue-in-cheek joke at the fact that the movie's it's called Scream. Stab. Scream, stab. But yeah, so they, they go to this movie, and um, Jada Pinkett-Smith doesn't really want to be there, and uh, they're like she's fighting with Omar Epps about it and all that. At one point, he goes to, to the bathroom, and I don't quite understand the logistics of this. Also, I don't understand what he was hearing that made him want to put his ear against a bathroom stall, which is fucking disgusting. I think he thought he was listening to someone jerking it. 
Yes, that's how I took it. I love the little head. So he goes in. There are two guys at the urinal, and he doesn't want to wait. But they (laughs) turn around wearing the scream mask, and he kind of gives them the head. He gives them that. (laughs) That guy, too, have one. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like something you would actually see happen in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. But, (laughs) yeah, he puts his ear up against the, the wall of the stall and is, like, giggling. And then he gets stabbed in the face like through the wall. That's an impressive shot. How, yeah, it's, how did the killer know his head was right there? Yeah. I thought about this too. That if you look at the scene, the killer's kind of looking over the stall. Oh, it's, so he's I, up above. Looking over? Not, it's like his. You see the stall beneath his eye level. Like he's oh, not so like he peeking was, over, but it as after he stabs. So him, he's like standing to the on the toilet, possibly yeah. like looking over and could eyeball it. Interesting. It's still kind of weird. It's still a, a good shot. Very good True. shot. Uh, also weird that Omar Epps didn't just die immediately. We get a little bit of like the stagger walking away. He was stabbed in the in the brain. Ugh. Anyway, falls. pretty shocking opening. Yeah, first kill of the movie. And I remember the first time I seen saw this movie, being pretty surprised by that. Uh, and then it's apparent the killer like puts on his clothes or at least like his jacket and stuff, and goes sits next to uh, Jada Pickett Smith, who's uh, really getting into the movie. Uh, stab now, which has started in excellent surprise. Foreplay. Surprise, Heather Graham. Yeah, Heather as Graham. the Drew Barrymore character from the first that. movie. That yeah. was really surprising. I was like, oh yeah, she's in this. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked by that too. Oh man. Oh, another logistics on the the movie within a movie. When Jada Pickett Smith's watching it, you notice like everyone gets really excited, like the Heather Graham like shower scene or whatever. Did you notice the shower? It's literally a curtain and then a massive window. I wrote yeah. that down. Uh, <laughs> what? Who designs a bathroom yeah. like that? How many gardeners have gone by and just be like, oops. <laughs> That's uh, hilarious. Also, the MTV series of Scream, mm-hmm. like the house in that looks just like this house they use it does. here. Which I don't remember what Drew Barrymore's house looks like. Maybe it's modeled after it's, that. Well, one. it's the Drew Barrymore house is like more of a country house okay. because the oh, Woodsboro the, Woodsboro that, seems to be more like a a more spaced out country town where like everyone has like a bunch of property they live on. Um, but yeah, that just I I like I paused the movie there because I thought I was witnessing this wrong, but just to see the shower and then the other side of it is just pure glass. I was like. That's a design flaw. That's hot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as Jada Pickett Smith's getting into this movie and stuff, we see the killer just chilling there with her, and uh, he ends up stabbing her repeatedly. And uh, because of the chaos of this movie theater, because there are a bunch of Neanderthals in there who won't enjoy the cinema quietly, everyone pay their ticket. Just be quiet in the movie theater, mm-hmm. okay? Damn. Anyway, <laughs> Jada Pickett Smith like stumbles onto the stage and like screams out, and I couldn't tell. Did people believe it? You know what I mean? Were, or were people thinking it was still part of the show? I, they they were until she fell, and then and everyone she just took collapses. all their masks off. You know? Like, yeah, because it we- shows like her perspective, and people are are like cheering, and then you slowly see them turn to panic. And then the title screen comes across. Oh, yeah, the like screen quick team. slash. I kind of wish it hadn't happened and it had just been one of those people taking off the mask, like leading the charge of like, what if we become? We are we are helping society promote this nonsense. Like, we have to change. As she's dying, they're, he's giving this, they're not trying to save her. He's just <laughs> yeah. giving this speech. Giving this huge, Look like, rallying <laughs> speech of just like, who's with me? They're <laughs> 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 all, yeah. <laughs> Whether it is nobler in the mind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
exactly. <laughs> That'd be incredible. Ham, ham leg. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, we get the quick like slash sound effect scream. Too. Yeah, the sound effects. I forgot how um, loud they are. The knives. Oh, like yeah. even just swinging him in the air is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you pretty much could have made him lightsabers I've at that point. I've tried making that noise with knives before. Yeah, you, you can't. That's a dangerous no. thing to try. Well, <laughs> I'm a professional. <laughs> <laughs> Don't attempt it at home. I just imagine Peter alone is <laughs> his apartment, like be like, "Paul, you there? Nobody's home. All right." Pulling out like a knife, just like waving it. I make the sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't work. <laughs> um, I like this kind of '90s or late '90s reference that happens next because we see Sydney wake up to a scary movie prank phone call, and she has caller ID, and. Uh, I remember when my family first got caller ID. I, I remember thinking that was pretty like game changing. Yeah, I remember that too. And then the whole somebody makes a comment, maybe it's in the cold opening that was like just Star sixty nine or whatever. Oh yeah, Jada Pinkett Smith does. does yeah, Star sixty nine. Um, uh, but yeah, Sydney's now at college in maybe the sweetest dorm I've ever seen. It's like an apartment like building looks like. It's crazy. Uh. But, it, you know, it's through talking to her roommate, it's very apparent that she still gets those calls as, like, pranks and whatnot. And, um, you know, now that the movie's out, the stab movie's out, that she's going to get more and more of them. So she's kind of like, whatever about it. I wouldn't be as much. I guess if it became a part of my, like, daily life, maybe I would adjust to it. But I thought it was interesting. And I was trying to remember... Did they say in Scream 1 how old they were? Like, what grade they were in? Because they're in high school, obviously, in the first one. I don't remember. I don't remember either. And does it say what grade they're in in college here? So, I do... I don't remember how old Sydney was when her mom died, but they did talk about how long it had been since her mom had died, and they did say her age. So, it would have been easy enough to do the math. To go back, yeah. I just don't remember how old she was when her mom died. Because are they supposed to be freshmen in college? Because she's as, potentially pledging that sorority, right? right so which is why I thought freshman. So, oh, that's a quick turnaround time on that book and movie, by the way. If that's only like a year or so Oh, no, after. it was two years. Oh, they, it was two they years. dropped that it was two years since the murders. Okay. So, that would probably make them like late juniors at the end of the first movie. Oh. Still have to finish out senior year. Oh, God. Yeah, that's an awkward Rough. senior year of high school. The principal was murdered. <laughs> All of my friends were murdered. Oh, man. And comparing like the amount of phone calls she gets, it just becoming kind of another part of her day or whatever. Think of it like when you're recognized on the street for being the host of this podcast. <laughs> oh, like yeah. at first you had a lot of time for the fans and it was like a big deal, but now you just now kind it's just of too much. ignore them. Yeah, usually it isn't until I start ordering that they're like... Um, I recognize that voice. It's like, I just, I just want to get my bagel and move on, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the I forgot the roommate's name. Sydney's roommate is it Haley? Yeah, it's Haley. But they're, you know, Haley's like her new best friend at college, and is they're pretty close for if this is freshman <laughs> year. Like she like knows everything about their lives, and I don't know. But uh, they find out about the Omar Epps and Jada Pickett Smith murder. And she's kind of, I was she immediately like this might have yeah she is she's like this oh, yeah. probably has something to do with us oh yeah because she's like where's Randy and then Haley just knows what Randy's 
college schedule is. <laughs> well, because they're all best friends. Well, ignoring the fact that why did Randy go to college with Sydney? <laughs> like, why did he follow He's her? He's obsessed. To he mentions it later. Then he That's should cute. have been the killer. Okay, yeah. <laughs> he's a suspect. I uh, yeah, but I I like this next scene though because we see Randy in film class and Joshua Jackson. Why is he in this movie for two seconds and then <laughs> never comes back? Like another '90s heartthrob. Uh, and, and Tim. Oh, and here we are. This is where we see Tim Oliphant. Also, we get to see the. Um, Sarah Michelle well. Geller. Wait, who is Tim Oliphant? He's Mickey. I, I he, feel like an idiot. He's the killer of this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Timothy Oliphant, like the detective in Psych. No, no, no. no. Like Isn't Justified. Justified. Oh, okay. Like Deadwood. Then, never mind. I don't feel like an idiot then. Okay. What's that guy's name? Isn't isn't he an Oliphant? Timothy Dalton. No. <laughs> okay. We don't have to go into it. Uh, that's but. who I thought you were talking about no it's okay this is the <laughs> film class though they they're having a conversation initially about whether or not that murder has anything to do with you know the movie that they were seeing which is an interesting conversation to have in film class and it does come back and then they start talking about sequels and uh i feel like it's the same conversation we've actually had about sequels about when we were talking about whether not to just do sequels or whether they're going to do like sequels that outpass surpass the original or sequels that we thought shouldn't have been made kind of thing. Uh, it's, it's interesting back and forth. I, I feel like they cop out of the answer to this movie the or I mean the answer to that question of name a sequel better than the original. Cause people keep coming up with loopholes being like, Oh, well what about aliens? Aliens is better than alien one. It's like, doesn't, you know, count for taste. What? They're in a film class. How do they not like Aliens? The second Aliens movie is incredible. Well, because it wasn't Ridley Scott. Yeah, and then the same they do the same thing with Terminator 2 Judgment Day, which I think is more fun than the original Terminator, but I do think the original Terminator is better. Uh, and then Godfather Part 2 is the correct answer. And this is 1997. Part 3 hadn't come out yet, so it's still okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that is the answer. I, I'm surprised you didn't think Empire Strikes Back. I agree with Randy on that. When it's a planned trilogy, the sequel, the second movie isn't under the same set of rules as a normal sequel. Mm, okay. Because it's a transitional, you know, storyline. Yeah. Same thing like Lord of the Rings, the two towers right. isn't the weakest of the three. Right. Exactly. So you were probably really sad when Randy died in this movie. I was. You could, he's like the character you relate to. Well, I feel like. yeah, this was the I hardest. I wrote this down when I was watching <laughs> when I was watching this movie, especially like after the Randy rant. I forgot if it was in the class or after he leaves the class. I'm like, I don't want to be Randy. <sighs> I think I might be Randy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn it. <laughs> I think John's Deputy Dewey, though. Yeah. Well, who, who's your Sydney Prescott? I thought it'd be obvious, Peter. It's you. Oh. What are y'all's thoughts on Nev Campbell, by the way? She's, I think she's hit or miss in each scene. It's like mm -hmm. scene by scene, she's, some of them, I'm like, I believe this, this is cool. Other ones, I'm kind of like, this seems soap opera. Like the final showdown at the end, I thought she does really well. Like when she gets angry, it was the same thing in the first movie. When she gets like angry and is like yelling back at the killer, I'm like, I'm down. I believe this. <laughs> she's not that good dramatically right like her conversations with her boyfriend um the o i forgot his name o'connell well the his character's name is derek but the actor's um something con o'connell right 90s heartthrob 90s heart oh jerry o'connell that's it uh 
all their like conversations one on one. I'm like, this Terrible. is super soap opera. This is no bueno. But wild yeah. things, wild things. <laughs> I forgot about wild things. Yeah, she doesn't have to be dramatic there. <laughs> no. The uh, getting back though. So Sydney finds Randy in that film class, wherever, and they're you know talking about the situation. And Randy's of the belief that they should just bl- not buy into it. Just it's a random occurrence. Let's not make this about us. But of course, it is about them because this is Scream Two. <laughs> and uh, this is when does Dewey come back? Oh no, Gail Weathers comes back yeah. because they're holding the press conference. That seems funny. Why would they hold the press conference like at the school? Well, because it centralizes all the characters. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <Peter. laughs> uh, yeah, but this is the reintroduction of Gail Weathers with weird hair. Like the red streaks. It works for her. I think it works <laughs> oh, for her. You're okay, just yeah. saying that because of friends. <laughs> <laughs> she makes ca- a j- yeah, she makes a friends <laughs> reference about the, like they make a joke about her having leaked photos, right? Yeah. Her head on uh, Jennifer Aniston's body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we get it. You're in friends. <laughs> I thought it was clever. Uh I, I thought it, I forgot about it, so I did chuckle. I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was my response." <laughs> but yeah, they see uh, Gail Weathers. Um, Gail's trying to get the new scoop. Obviously, she's still on the outs with everybody because she wrote that book. That's now the stab movie. Uh, we're introduced to for a hot second another reporter who's pestering Gail, but at the end, spoiler turns out to be Billy Loomis's mother. I'm not really sold on that twist, by the way. Yeah, and they also talked about um, Jason Voorhees' mom. Yeah, that too, was a so that was a good foreshadow. Yeah, even though I will say that was subtle enough, where it wasn't like a heavy foreshadowing of just like it's gonna be a mother. It was just a good little nod of like, oh, that is it a possibility. Is a poss- Yeah, it has been done before, just exactly. not overdone. Yeah, I thought that actress played the psycho part at the end pretty well. Like oh, she yeah, had she the did. eyes were crazy, <laughs> <laughs> like Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> she went full Buscemi. Yeah, no, I thought she did fine. It's just more of the like, we can get to that once we get to yeah, that reveal. Yeah. That the ending is where this movie kind of falls apart for me. But oh man, this is literally where like everyone shows up because Dewey shows up again, uh, who's now got nerve damage from being stabbed in the back. Uh, his the limp was made sense and I was fine with you know he got stabbed in the back there's gonna be damage the hand thing like freaked me <laughs> out like his claw hand thing was like weird and I couldn't tell if it was a prosthetic or if David Arquette was legitimately just like holding his hand like that constantly you know what I mean like it was bizarre oh but uh yeah we see Dewey get caught up on Dewey and then uh Cotton Weary's back in the picture which uh, I always forget that actor's name, but I love him. He's one of those guys that like randomly appears and stuff. He's in Ray Donovan right now, that Showtime show. He was in uh, the Goon, the hockey game, the hockey movie. I uh, loved him in that. But yeah, Cotton's been free because what was the she was he was accused of killing Sydney's mother in the first movie. Mm-hmm. We only really ever saw him through like courtroom footage shown. And then, obviously, after we find out the ending of the first movie, he's been released and everything. But he's, like, now trying to get his, like, 15 minutes of fame off of it. Yeah, self-admittedly. Right, which is weird, right? Like, would you... 
I feel like that's not the strategy you go for if you're like been accused of something and then you're found innocent. Like, do you immediately just like try to go be a celebrity? Some people, I think, value that. That seems and just want their time in the spotlight. Ah, that just seems weird. You're just milking it. Yeah, milking for all you got. Uh, we get to see the Dewey Gale reunion here too. Of their this seemed forced to me because if I unless I'm misremembering, they don't really like hook up in the first movie. They just kind of like a flirtatious thing at the the party, the final party in the first movie, and uh, like investigate a little bit together. But it, it, they never really seemed together. Yeah, but you know what happened outside the screen and like IRL. Well, that's well, that's what I was. Well, yeah, the Courtney Cox and David Arquette got married and everything. But my yeah. my question was, <laughs> did I miss something? Of were there tones or a dropped line that I missed? Of that she maybe they like dated each other after he got out of the hospital. Like was were oh, they I together at all? Or I was, don't know. Doesn't he like save her life in the first one? Yeah, and yeah, he saves her. He's bumbling, and she kind of thinks it's a little cute that he's a bumbling idiot. But yeah, it. I think it's hinted at. I don't, I don't know if it's explicitly right, shown. Not enough for weird. a boob grab. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's just it's one of those relationships that it's something I I didn't think about the first time I ever watched this movie. But really analyzing it this time, I didn't quite understand because they're acting towards each other like they were in a relationship and broken up. But it could be very well possibly be that she has not seen him since that night. Well, he also drops the line that he's upset of how his character was, was written. portrayed in the book. Yeah, so that might add some fuel to his fuel fire. to his fire. Yeah, uh, but uh, from here we get the the frat a frat party or is it a sorority party? I couldn't tell who's. I couldn't follow the Greek letters. <laughs> I don't live that Greek life. And one of the sorority girls is uh, the Arrested Development. Girl. Yeah, uh, yeah, Portia De La Rossi or something. Yeah, Lindsay. From yeah, Arrested Lindsay from Arrested Development and Ellen DeGeneres' wife. Or are they or still married? Maybe ex-wife. ex-wife? I don't mm-hmm. know. But I forgot she was in this too. But uh, yeah, she's kind of like pops up throughout the whole movie. That's Once I noticed it the first time, I was like, oh, I wonder if she comes. I don't remember <laughs> her being in this. And then she's like in five second scenes like throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. I, I thought she was going to get murdered. I remember being like, wait, is she one of the people that dies? <laughs> oh, but... Yeah, her and her sorority sisters are, I guess, throwing a rush party of some sort, and they want Sydney on their sorority because she's famous because she was almost murdered, which is oh, a very weird thing to be famous for. Um, this is though where we see Sarah Michelle Geller is. Uh, I wrote it down the sober sister for the night. I like that alliteration. Yes, she she coined the term. Yeah, CC is her character name. CC's the sober sorority sister for I couldn't think of an an S word for the night for the season. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to follow through with the s- sounds. So we find out. Then this is jumping in a little. I know, but the killer is kind of um, recreating. The original people who were killed, like right. he's using he's doing names. A, like a nod to it, yeah. A nod—that's a better way of putting it. But isn't it a little weird that all these victims are college kids in the same town? I guess. Well, what do you mean? Like that? Because he's attacking a college, so they're all college kids. Yeah, it's just a little convenient that all of their names match the names 
from the original victims. Well, I think that was the that was the point. I think that's right. the point. That's what yeah. I'm saying. I'm I'm saying it's convenient that they're all college kids at this college and they oh. have this. Oh, oh, I'm sure it was. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I kind of wish there had been um, maybe a stretch of. Well, I guess it's not really clear whether or not Mickey knew uh, Omar Epps and Jada Pickett Smith's characters, so they could have been the. Uh, the stretch characters are like, oh, well, that's close enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because uh, I think Cece dated Timothy Oliphant or something. Like, isn't there a line about they knew he knew her or something? Well, they were at least in that cla- film class together. So she knew her or he knew her. But yeah, Sarah Michelle Gellar is chilling at this house and she gets the, this is our first real, you know, scary movie classic phone call. Where uh, talking to her and playing it sly, I was a little confused by this though. So it's a, it's just like the first movie where it's a two killer setup. Is Billy Loomis's mom the one on the phone, and then Mickey's the one going through the house? Because you see the ghost face killer no, I slink think, in through I the think door. He was on the phone, and you think she old, was in the house? Yeah, because later when it he's revealed and he takes the voice changer off. Right. It's him. Well, yeah. And we didn't ever see her talking with the voice changer. Like, I don't know how that would have changed her voice. I, I think I'm just trying to understand because I, I figured she would have been the the phone calls and then he would have been the muscle because like her... But she did kill Randy. Which is... Okay, like Jamie Kennedy is not a strong strapping man and he did get the jump on him. That woman is teeny... I'm pretty sure Jamie Kennedy should have got that mom fight. strength though. <laughs> she's got she's that, that Miss Voorhees strength. strength. And got that revenge that she's trying to get. Uh, yeah. But uh yeah, so I the reason I asked is cuz like in the first movie it's always fun to go back and see like okay, so this was Stu was the one in yeah. the costume, Billy was the one on the phone and then you know go through and figure out who was who in different scenes. This one I couldn't do it. I just kind of just assumed Billy was always or Billy's mom was always on the phone. Yeah. And my my read on the whole thing was it was Mickey on the phone. Oh, for the Sarah Michelle Gellar one, I guess because the well the house was close enough to where Mickey could have killed Sarah Michelle Gellar and gotten back to the house pretty easily. So, but then again, Billy Loomis's mom showed was like the first on the scene with the news people, so she might have just been, I don't know it could have been either one of them. I just wanted I like knowing the logistics of that. For when I plan my murder spree, okay? <laughs> you know, I got to divide up the labor. John's going to be on the phone. Peter's going to be the guy with the laptop, giving me Google locations. Oh, I could do the phone voice pretty well. I'll, like, <laughs> isn't it a little weird that uh, it's always kind of like starts off flirty on the phone? Oh, yeah. I always found that weird. Like, does this I voice it, that attractive? Like, <laughs> I think it adds to the creepy level. Yeah, like, a little Who's bit. This? <laughs> <laughs> but they're all pretty open with him wow. for some reason. Sarah Michelle Gellar, though, starts out strong in her attempt to get out of the situation. And I like first she goes outside. She's like, no, 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 I'm not staying in this house because she thinks the killer's inside the house at first, or somebody's inside the house. She doesn't know it's a killer yet. But then she says she's gonna call campus security. Never does. Call campus security. There are a couple moments. Or just call the cops. Yeah. I thought she tried to and the the it, phone was broken. The reception up. was broken up. Um, but she goes back in the house and then still doesn't call campus security. Right. And her when she's having the conversation with her friend is when uh the ghost face killer uh slides in. Um 
yeah, it's just uh, that pissed me off. And then she does basic white girl move in horror movie, and she runs up the stairs. And I was just about to praise the, these movies because they're kind of typically um, smart in the way that they respond to a killer. Oh you know, yeah, like like it's kind of going against making fun of the scary movie tropes. And so in these scream movies, a lot of times the characters, maybe it's just the main characters, yeah, are typically pretty characters. smart about things. Well, like I I watched a uh, one of those YouTube videos that like analyzes films, and um, one of the ones I watched on Scream, I never noticed. I guess I had like realized it, but never really thought about how clever it is in the first movie when Sydney gets the phone, the like, are you, you know, what's your favorite scary movie phone call? She says, I don't like scary movies because it's always about a stupid girl runs upstairs instead of out the front door. And then the killer while by scaring her sets up a scenario where she has to like lock and barricade the front door. So when she runs for the front door, she can't get out. So he uses that information against her, forcing her to fulfill the trope of going upstairs. Interesting. Which is interesting. interesting and I tried to watch in this scene if it was the same thing, but it wasn't. Like, I think she locked the door, but it wasn't like a quadruple lock. Like She could have gotten out there. I also wrote down that the ghost face killer in this mo- in these movies are always so clumsy. They're always like falling <laughs> into tables and like breaking chairs. And it's just like, wow, like just swinging wildly. But then I thought about it. Ah, it's probably hard to move her around in that costume. I imagine that mask doesn't give you the greatest depth perception. Oh yeah. Your peripheral vision is Oh, gone. I bet you're screwed. So maybe that's a more realistic part of the movie is he's just like running into shit. Just like, oh, crap, crap. (laughs) That's what Scary Movie makes fun of. Oh, yeah. This is one of my favorite things they made fun of in one of the scary movies is the Sarah Michelle Geller chase up the stairs and she's like throwing stuff at him, which is a smart maneuver. Give you points, Sarah. But I like it in Scary Movie when they make fun of that where it's just like increasingly more ridiculous, bigger things. Like at one point, it's just a piano like down the (laughs) stairs. (laughs) Oh man, but this all her death also seemed a little bit of an overkill because he finally gets the killer finally gets to her, stabs her a couple times, throws her through a window, stabs her again, and then throws her off the balcony of like a three story house. Which, by the way, that's a really nice sorority house. <laughs> yeah, and she was full. She like sprayed out. Oh yeah. <laughs> this, well, because rule number two, you got to increase the gore. Yeah. Yeah, it's. It was a gory one. I do laugh, though. I can't remember if it's this transition or the first transition into the the other sorority party that's happening. But it's Dave Matthews just, like, zooming in on this, like, party. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Definitely <Yeah>. 90s. <laughs> like, the musical soundtrack is just, like, Pearl Jam, Dave Matthews. Um, oh, collective sh- Soul. Yeah, Collective Soul. Oh, shoot. I'm trying to think of the band. Uh, who sang the father of my... Everclear. Everclear. <laughs> Everclear's in this. <laughs> it's a very like heavy 90s like alt-rock. Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray's Foo in Fighters. It. Oh, it's just Nick a... Cave and the Bad Seeds. I feel like it's just a <laughs> checklist of like, what are funny alt-rock bands from the 90s? <laughs> you can just go through that. <laughs> they didn't get any B&L in there, did they? No. I don't think that would have fit totally. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, that would have been a pretty funny transition song. Just like somebody dies, then it's someone waking up. It's been one week since you looked at me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, so Sarah Michelle Gellar's out the movie. She's got to go be in uh, I Know You Did Last Summer and then die in that. 
Spoiler. <laughs> I still know what you did last summer. She's not in I Still Know You Did. She's just in I Know What You Did last summer. She's in Flashbacks or something. Ooh, that's a good oh, sequel maybe. we could do. Oh, God. Have you seen I Still Know What You Did? No, it's awful. Uh, we can do it. It's awful. Is it a tr- It's a trilogy. There's a third one, right? Well, there's the third one doesn't have any of the original cast members. And it <laughs> Which involves, is a good mark. <laughs> but it involves like a ghost version of Hookhand. It's it's weird. Um, I think that one's the I'll never forget what you did last summer or something. It's <laughs> gonna say they're running out of title I options. Know. They're running out of ways to reaffirm that something <laughs> happened last summer. <laughs> um, but when we go back to this uh, fraternity party or sorority party or whatever, uh, you know, Sydney doesn't want to be there. She's kind of being wooed by the sorority sisters or whatever. Uh. Then Arrested Development girl comes up. Oh, and then the other girl that she travels around with, with like the curly hair, she's in uh, the Urban Legend horror movie. Oh. Did you ever see that? No. She's the like main, not the main girl, but she's one of the main girls in that one. So that was funny to recognize her. But they're like, cops are at the Zeta house. I don't know if it was the Zeta house. It just sounds very <laughs> like, letters, Greek. Right. I know. <laughs> Let's go check it out. So everyone just leaves the party. Sydney's left all alone at this house. And of course, she decides to answer the phone of a house she doesn't live in. She like in. hesitates. Yeah. yeah, but I think she like how they play it off is that it. Sydney walks by the ringing phone and is like, "Wait, this feels like Woodsboro. Mm-hmm. I should probably answer the phone. It might be a killer." You know what I mean? Like she plays it off like, "Could this be?" kind of thing. And then of course, it is the killer. Oh, while uh, Jack O'Connell or whatever is like waiting outside for her. Yeah, so I, I made a note here that they, I felt like they were trying to eliminate him as a suspect early by showing him outside while the ghost face was inside. But they immediately flipped that. Right. I'm just saying oh, I, like, I was, yeah. but in my head, I was like, like when I was first watching this, I was like, okay, boyfriend's not it. But yeah. then they try to make you think it is him later. So. Yeah, because yeah. she gets chased around the house by the killer. Because this was actually a pretty good. Um, I wouldn't say jump scare, but a good like horror scare kind of moment of she's on the phone and she's tough talking to me like, why don't you show your face? And he's like, happy to. <laughs> it's like right behind it her the whole time. It scared me to death. I was like, oh, damn. You <laughs> 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 um, get a the quick chase around the house. More lack of depth perception breaks a lot of furniture. <laughs> but Sydney gets away through the back door, runs into Jack O'Connell, who decides he's gonna go into the house like what's his thought process i'm a man i'm 19 i'm invincible but (laughs) (laughs) but i feel like because he's supposed to be a pre-med he's pre-med so uh i feel like he's supposed to be intelligent enough to go like oh i should get my girlfriend out of the situation into safety yeah hey you stay here (laughs) i'm gonna go into this house if he circles back like whistle three times. Hoot like an owl. Yeah. Bark like a dog. If you... And then uh, Dewey shows up and chases into the house as well, unarmed and, you know, limping. He's, He's armed got one... with experience. <laughs> sort of. He's limping, has one good hand. What the hell is he going to do? Oh man, Derek has a better chance in there. <laughs> He's the definition of a bumbling. What was what was the term we used in the whaling? Bumbling idiot. Oh yeah, the yeah. He's a the bumbling idiot cop for sure. He's precious. He is precious until he grows up in the fourth one. Yeah. Wait, but I'm him. I'm just coming back to this. <laughs> um, 
and that wraps it up. <laughs> I just meant in the sense of your your innocence towards you know you'd life. Be, you'd be the the lovable cop trying to figure it all out. Yeah, and then Peter's always the final girl. That's true. We can agree on that. It's better than the first kill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah. So when Dewey finally finds Jack O'Connell or Derek. You know, he's been sliced across the arm and he got away. I, it's okay. all in it's like it's all in an attempt to frame or make it Sydney think that her boyfriend might be the killer again. What well, are the odds that she's two for two on well, serial we've killers, already, though? We already know there's two at this point. Well we can assume there's yeah. two. I mean yeah. I mean, have you seen that guy? He's too good for her, right? So it's almost like too good to be true. <laughs> Are we rooting for Derek here? We're like, yeah, get rid of Nev Campbell. <laughs> Date one of those Zeta girls. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, Derek is, makes me vomit. It might, like, all his little love interactions with Sydney are disgusting. Oh, yeah. They're disgusting, but it's almost like the movie was aware that it was making him that way. His musical number is awful. Oh, yeah, in the cafeteria. I'm, that's coming up, yeah, actually. Yeah, it's like the next part well it's them going to the hospital or whatever and then the dewey's talking to the police chief as well as Derek about like what happened and they're like what are we going to do to protect sydney uh my thought was oh i don't know maybe send her away yeah <laughs> don't keep her at the fucking college with two goons yeah watching two, two detectives that look exactly the same they do how did they find two guys that look so similar <laughs> They're like, awful too. Like, they don't do a good job at all. Oh not. my gosh! You could, like for a million dollars, I could not identify which one was which. Like <laughs> it's unbelievable. And in the end, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but then it transitions because it's you know Dewey talking to Derek about like pretty convenient that the killer sliced your arm and got away, and you're like perfectly fine. And then he tries to like flip it on Dewey to being like, well, it's pretty convenient that by the time you got there, he got away but really just digs that hole deeper for himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, ooh, that that didn't sound... I'm not pre-law, okay? <laughs> I'm pre-med. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, this is the... Um, I think this is, though, where they figure out... Or Dewey and Gale figure out the Woodsboro connection with the police officer because they have the three bodies. And it, it reminded me of that scene in Black Dynamite where it's the like the chalkboard and he's like wait a second what's this remind you of and they go on like this weird ass <laughs> tangent of like a thousand different things to like lead them to the scenario because it's like that wouldn't have been my first guess for like how gail's just like wait was cc her real name no i'm pretty sure it was uh sarah or marine or something they're like oh you mean like Maureen Prescott circle <laughs> yeah it's like and then i it's like drew barrymore and um Drew Barrymore's boyfriend from the first movie's names are the other two people because they she says them and I'm like, who are those? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't remember them. Was one of them the principal? I was like, I was trying to figure out, and then they like had to say it. They're like, remember she died in the beginning. <laughs> the red string is everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's where they figure out someone's trying to like duplicate Woodsboro or whatever. Copycat. Copycat. This is the then we get the cafeteria scene of yeah. Of just, it's so awkward. It the really movie is two is. hours long. It is, and this is a scene that definitely could have been cut out. And they even shortened. have to explain it too when he gives her the necklace. Like, am I seeing that? 
is he really giving her his frat letters? It's like, oh, you don't do that. Yeah, I don't understand. Someone from <laughs> Greek life write in, because I don't understand. That becomes like a thing later, too. Yeah. Like, how is that offensive? I thought it was like the equivalent of the like 50s high school thing of like wearing the class ring or the like wear my letterman jacket like, yeah. i just assumed it was Ooh. that not like this huge like he just crossed the line they're gonna kick his ass <laughs> but it's but, tradition but it's a very girly necklace so yeah he had either had it made or each fraternity brother is given one and then it's like don't you dare give that to a girl though yeah <laughs> don't show him we have jewelry <laughs> that's, that's only for us <laughs> <laughs> Letterman jackets, though, man. I wish that was a thing. That was still a thing. Yeah. But can you imagine just filming that scene? It was weird. And the, so I know I make references to movies a lot of the time. I don't like it in this movie how both Mickey and Randy constantly do the whole like someone's doing something and then immediately like call out a movie that it's related to. So he starts singing, he's like, Top Gun, 1989. Or 86 or whatever. He's like, yeah, Tom Cruise, Top Gun. As he's singing, I'm like, that's not... I mean, it's similar. It's not a direct... That's not even the same song he sings in <laughs> Top Gun, Mickey. Like, stop. <laughs> we get it, Mickey. You're carrying around a camera. You're a film student. God. <laughs> he's slowly losing credibility before our eyes. Oh, yeah. Until he breaks. But it's... I kind of wish this had been more cringy in that, like, the cafeteria didn't get in on it. Like, if he had started singing and the rest of the cafeteria is just, like, awkwardly staring instead of the, like, clapping they all start doing and getting, like, behind it. I think that would have been more well, fun. And they're <laughs> called for more gusto and then they stand. And then we get, like, you know, the gr- grandparent, the, like, the cops are just sitting there being weird. Which, again, you know, an easier solution instead of those two cops? Get her out of that right. school. People are dying. <laughs> But you're letting her go to her English class? Yeah. What the hell? She gets a pass. Like, come on. What's more important, Mark? Life or education? Uh, yeah, life goes on. Life is education, John. <laughs> I'm glad you've learned something. <laughs> life or art doesn't imitate life. Life is life. Oh, God. <laughs> life that, is in, life. In one of the, fil- in the film class scenes, someone says, this is just a classic case of life imitating art imitating life. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Track that for me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, from here, though, is where we get Dewey and um, Randy like running through scenarios of who they think the killer is, and we get to see the... That was a fun conversation. Oh, yeah, for sure. I liked it, too, because this was also where we see another clip from the Stab movie, and it's Tori Spelling and Luke Wilson doing the uh, Billy Loomis Sydney scene <laughs> yeah, in the stairway. So Luke Tori Wilson. Spelling got nominated for a Razzie Award for Worst New Actress or whatever for oh, this movie. For Scream 2? Yeah. How does that work? She's like in one (laughs) second. I don't know. (laughs) Also, it's pretty funny. Felt like sometimes movies have these scenes in them where it's almost tailored for the trailer. You know, like this movie. I mean, this scene is in the trailer where he's like sequels. You know, the body counts are bigger. You're right. This is a yeah. This is a trailer cut like moment. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of movies do that. Oh yeah. But I've always wondered because you bring up a good point. Do you think they write those scenes and they're like, ooh, that'll be the trailer? Or do you think they just put that stuff in the trailer and then everyone, because they've seen the trailer, associates those types of scenes? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of the chicken and the egg thing. Well, since that conversation is actually the point of the movie, it, it makes sense that it was just Would be pulled the- to be in the trailer, not written for the trailer. No. And a lot of movies do have those scenes where something's being explained that 
is encapsulating the entire movie and then that somehow makes it into the trailer. I mean, like, what are we? Some kind of suicide? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's like, no, it's that written for the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we? <laughs> it's like, well, that is the title of the film, Will Smith. Uh, thank or you uh, tell the truth. Oh, yeah. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Let's just rag on Will Smith. His wife died at the beginning of this movie. Let's calm down. It's weird. So, like, thinking about trailers over the years, it seems like a lot of movies these days, their trailers don't have a lot of dialogue in them. It's a lot of quick cuts. It's a lot of quick cuts. A lot of, like, they do, like, a musical overtone. Uh, Right now, a big trend is doing the, um, like, an 80s classic with a darker background you know what i mean like rework doing a cover that's like really dark and like ominous version of like an 80s pop song i'd like to look into that actually like the evolution of the trailer oh yeah they definitely go through trends like remember for a little while uh because of christopher nolan's inception everyone had to do like some ominous like (laughs) 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 what is this movie actually (laughs) (laughs) it's like we're summoning the world serpent or something oh yeah for sure Oh, it's a romantic comedy? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> didn't get that from the trailer. The stakes are high. <laughs> 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 but yeah, because you go back to like the 60s or whatever with the James Bond movies, and they're 10 minutes long. Oh, yeah. And they go through the entire plot with you. Yeah, movies in the like 60s and 70s were essentially the full movie. Yeah, like, they we complain long. nowadays that things are revealed and in they the tell trailers. You the, they tell you the title 10 times. Oh, yeah. Don't forget it. <laughs> they're, I, you know, I guess because not as many movies were out at the time and it's more of a like you would see movies multiple times because there wasn't like a way to really watch them at home so it's kind of a different culture thing wasn't wasn't the shining trailer kind of a game changer because it just shows elevators opening and blood coming out of it i think so i think you're Mm -hmm. right i'm trying to think what movie started the whole joke thing of the like you know how there's that thanks joke thanksgiving movie that thanksgiving yeah there's a horror movie that really did that and I'm trying to think what it was. It was it Rosemary's Baby, but it kept like doing quick cuts of like different things in the movies and just being like Rosemary's Baby. Well, so I, the Wes Craven movie, Last House on the Left. I'm pretty sure that original trailer does that too. Oh, is it like just somebody running through the woods? Last House on the Left. Yeah, <laughs> they found the last house on, on the, the left. left. Yeah, that was that's definitely like the horror movie. I wish they did that now. That'd be fun. <laughs> The quiet place. Yeah. <laughs> we have to be really, really, really <laughs> quiet. The quiet place. <laughs> <laughs> shh, shh, don't make any noise. <laughs> or you'll be found. The quiet place. <laughs> she is the neon demon. <laughs> the lights, LA photography, modeling, neon demon. <laughs> <laughs> You'll, <laughs> we need to move on. <laughs> I need to move on. I could do that for hours, though. Uh, though this is where Randy sets up the sequel rules. So the, yeah. we only get two this time, as opposed to the three in the first movie, which bummed me out. But the first one is just higher body count. Second one is more blood and gore. You got to throw it at the screen. And the third one, he starts saying, if you want to make it a franchise, never, ever, ever. And then they get interrupted. Uh this dialogue is also fun, though, because they're running through the logic of who it could be, and it ends up being them accusing each other. It's yeah. <laughs> a great scene. And they're like, so really let's like just move on. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, I, I just that was one of the better dialogue moments for me. Uh, then we get really, in my opinion, the like a time suck that truly is pointless is Sydney's theater career. Why are we following her theater career in this well, movie? Well, Mark, it comes back later when we have the 
final confrontation. And so it shows that she's familiar with uh, what it is like to be a thespian. <laughs> you have to work both behind the scenes as well as, you know, star under the lights. <laughs> also, a very insensitive theater director. Oh, yeah. Uh, people have died. She's been attacked. Uh, she has a history of being attacked and all her friends have been murdered before. But the show must go on, <laughs> Sydney. You're a fighter, Sydney. <laughs> I guess it's just trying to show that she has talent in something that, you know, and she's trying to. Well, they also try to do it like it's a pep talk, though. You know what I mean? Like the fighter thing. It's like the theme was like, I want you to say it. I'm a fighter. It's like, why is he giving this speech? <laughs> yeah, who are you? <laughs> yeah, it could have been Dewey, could have been Randy, could have been her boyfriend, could have been the roommate. Like, give it to one of her friends. Cut this shit out. British teacher. Yeah. Did anyone look up the play, by the way? Mm-mm. It's, no, a, it's a Greek trilogy uh, called... Oh, I wrote it down. It's the Ocidian Oph- or something? Oh, no. It's the Aristia is the name of the trilogy. And the only one I've ever read of it is the Agamemnon tragedy. So that's the first one. And then the next one's the Libation Bearers. And then the third one is the... Eumindes, 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 Proteus, but it's a like a trilogy tragedy, and uh, I'm pretty sure in the tongue-in-cheek kind of narrative way of this is I'm pretty sure the play they're doing is the second one in the trilogy of that, so it's like layers, and she's supposed to be playing Cassandra or Cassandra or whatever, who's uh, like the central focus of the three movies, and she's like cursed and you know, all this bad shit happens to her. So it's like a very much like on the nose, like, oh, Sydney's in, is this woman? Like, uh, which I appreciate about this movie. Really? But I was going to say, <laughs> um, the, she sees like, starts seeing glimpses of the ghost face. Oh, yeah. While she's, she's performing. rehearsing or whatever. My question is, was that real? Yeah. Oh, you see him slip out. Oh, okay. There. So it was, I did miss that. Yeah. It was 100% real. You see him slip out when she like goes crazy. He, yeah. She, she has like, the meltdown. Out. So she wasn't hallucinating or anything? I don't think so. No, okay. she... Yeah, well, she has some sort of meltdown with Yeah, that, like, though. obviously an actor was there pretending to be him, so I don't know if it was one of those, ooh, it's a fluke, you know, like where we see the lines on stunt doubles or right. whatever. But this definitely looked like you saw him slipping out. I also thought this was going to be another prank scenario like they did in the first one. Remember the in the high school, a couple of the kids are wearing a mask in the hallway to, like, freak Sydney out? I thought they were going to do that again. And, but that didn't end up happening. Poor taste. Poor taste. Very poor taste. The uh, this next scene though is the unfortunate death of Randy. Uh, I do like this scene though. It is I, a really cool scene. Randy cool. goes off on him too. Oh yeah, Pretty fun. That see, that's what makes me mad. Is it's like his final like he actually gets to like stand up and says something and is like becoming more of a character instead of just the geeky like weird kid that's obsessed with Sydney. And then he immediately dies. Uh, but yeah, it's a cool scene of the whole, you know, calling him in the park. Uh, the killer gets very lucky that Randy gets that close to the van because that definitely could not or was possible that that couldn't have happened. But yeah, the running around, like, he like tackles that one kid looking for cell phones because it's Courtney Cox and him looking around and everything. Uh, yeah, I really like how Randy just goes off of the like, why are you wanting to emulate two high school nobodies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but we find out that was the trigger because that was Billy Loomis's mom on the phone. 
and uh, grabs Randy into the news van, which ends up being Gail's we- Gail Weathers' news van. But I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was that act like Billy Lewis's mom's news van. So it's like, why did they think of her as a suspect? But when the caravan comes back out, it's like, who broke my window? Oh, with Dunkin' Donuts, really <laughs> hitting it there. Did the cameraman make y'all laugh? But Joel, I think is his name. He has a funny quote like, "You guys get back into some Saved by the Bellish." Oh yeah, he was. He he had a couple funny jokes. I liked his interaction with Gail at one point in the movie where he's reading clearly reading her book. Yeah, and he comes with some concerns. He's like, "I just got (laughs) to the part where your cameraman gets gutted. Um, I'm not okay with this." And she's like, "I made that up." His throat was sliced open. Yeah, he's like slashed, gutted. (laughs) It's like it doesn't matter. He ain't in the union anymore. (laughs) That that, that that line was was awesome. He ain't in the union no more. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was really good, but like. The weird scene where it like cuts to him and he's like sharpening a stick. I was like, this seems weird. <laughs> oh yeah, but it, I was definitely sad Randy got outed out of this movie. Uh, I understand why though, because they needed to kill somebody from the original cast to make it like shocking. You know what I mean? Like that should have been a rule that Randy throws out because I feel like that's very much a sequel thing to do is you kill someone that you thought was safe. Um, and the killer was filming this too, right? So well, how, did, how did that work? Yeah. Well, so Mickey was filming it from the quad, and then the you know Mrs. Loomis was in the van. Oh, on I thought the it phone. was from her perspective. Was it? When they see it, the it was. Later. It was from the van in the van. Oh, I don't know how they did that. That's confusing. Yeah, because this was before GoPros. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, we see some old school cameras in this movie. Yeah, and the batteries on those cameras do not last that long. No, so they, they had to be ready to go. And you had to <laughs> rewind and then, you know, record over something. Yeah, record. Messed up. <laughs> no editing. No one ever had clean tapes. He <laughs> was always deleting something. <laughs> uh, but then we get Sydney's in the library after Randy died. She hasn't been told yet. And she's, uh, you know, just, I don't even know what she's doing. I tried to look at her screen to see what po- she could possibly be working on right now. Uh, I do like this thing of like, uh, did your computer just freeze? Oh, it means you have an instant message, but I'm not logged on. <laughs> All the computers are actually connected. It's like that. What? What's happening? Way to <laughs> explain the intranet. I know, I know. I was like, what's going on? Also, what instant message completely freezes whatever you're doing on a computer until you alt tab to the message, which takes up the entire screen. I was wondering the same this thing. Is, yeah, you asked too many questions. This Mark. is a flawed system. Yeah, Wes Craven does horror, not technology. I would troll the shit out of people in the library if that was the case. Like, they're working on a research paper. I just keep sending yeah, them messages. Yeah, you're just down the just, table. Like, yeah, <laughs> just keep sending them messages, freezing them halfway through. Yeah, they could have used AIM. I feel like AIM was around at this point. Well, yeah, I think that's what she was supposed to be referencing yeah. was, like, she wasn't online. Like, she didn't get onto AOL, <laughs> which would have been the thing. Uh, this is though where you know she gets that threatening message, being like, "You're gonna die tonight." We never find out if that's real or a prank, but freaks her out, and she runs into Cotton Weary in the hallway, who's just lurking around a college campus now. Cotton and the two goons watching Sydney are just like, "Hey, you stay here," and they put her in like yeah, a really unsafe spot in a, on a stairwell. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. (laughs) (laughs) She would have been safer where she was before. She's in the middle of the library. Uh, But her and Cotton have this like conversation of, uh, you know, 
getting on Diane Sawyer and like 15 minutes of fame, all this nonsense. So now Sydney is actually starting to think, oh, Cotton Weary might be the killer. Let's accuse the guy you put away for prison, you know, for a year again of doing something. Oh, well, he does kind of well. like trap her back there and kind of touching her weird. And he has the black shoes on that yeah. she notices. He has the jeans mm-hmm. and black shoes and a black shirt. So I could see paranoia. Yeah, yeah paranoia. And we see but... the shoes of Randy's killer when it comes out. Oh, of yeah. And he's wearing that. I, uh, I also think it's very weird that Cotton Weary would just be hanging out on a college campus. <laughs> I feel like that should have been dealt with. <laughs> yeah, where was he staying? Yeah, <laughs> he's just dorming up with somebody. He 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 used to he pledged at the Kappa House. Oh, he so still he has knows. His yeah, he knows a brother. Yeah, still he has didn't his letters. Yeah, he didn't give a girl his letters, so he's cool. <laughs> like, hey, Cotton, come on in. You can stay with us. Yeah, the um, but you know, we get a quick interrogation thing with him, and it's just him being like, "I'm innocent." It really goes nowhere. But it's, again, just to, like, pump up the message of, like, we don't know who the killer is. It could be anybody. And it's they're all still pretty, you know, set on that it's somebody from Woodsboro, which is, you know, solid thought. Uh, from there, though, Dewey and Gail have their kind of apologies to each other, and they realize, wait, we can find the killer in B-roll. I don't track this logic. But uh, that's where we're going. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, what's the reasoning behind it? It's like, well, the killer would want to see everything that was going on, so maybe we caught a glimpse of him. But there were a bunch of people wanting to see what was going on, so how would they know this person would be in every single shot? Would they? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a... A killer always returns to the scene of the crime. And it's not like the B-roll is going to be like a 360 footage of the whole yeah. area they're not security cameras but it's, it's camera. a panoramic camera all of them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man but yeah so while they're in the film studio or film schools like branch or whatever they are uh trying to go through the things on the vcr or whatever and um what does the killer do he like changes something right he like turns on what does he turn on it cuts I, to a, a scene of one of the killings oh happening. that's it yeah and then it's, it's the, a live feed then it's a live feed of yeah. them and so they realize the killer's in the booth and uh stumbling dewey one leg hops it up to the booth real quick yeah what was he gonna do again the killer like, had the advantage entering that room had the high ground he yeah. yeah he had the high ground and dewey Really underestimated his own power. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, but then we get a quick like chase through the school thing, and Dewey and Courtney Cox get separated, and she ends up in, like, I don't even know what room that is. It's like a records room or something. It's kind of recording studio. Yeah, and on the other side is the soundproof like studio, and that's where Dewey is. This is such a weird scene, because it's like him trying to bang on the glass, and, like, soundproof doesn't mean the glass doesn't move at all. Mm-hmm. Like, you can bang on that glass and it's, you can it's not, hear a It's not a thud. single pane, typically. Like, it really is. Like, that whole place would be soundproof. But do you think he, she wouldn't have been able to hear, like, solid banging on that? Yeah, because it's not. I, it, they're not typically one window. Interesting. I don't know. That that just kind of bothered me. Also, there's a weird... They kept cutting to Dewey was stepping on pizza, which happened to be on top of wires. No! So I have... 
You know, some whoever was in that room last really fucked up because you can't just leave pizza on the ground on top of like expensive cables. Yeah, that's that's a no go. <laughs> that's a you're out of that program. <laughs> but yeah, do we get stabbed in the back again? And Ooh. having seen this movie before, I was watching how many times he got stabbed. It's a couple. It's a how good does couple. He not. I just, he well, we were died. given a loophole at the end where it's like, it got in some scar tissue. It saved his life. Right. So the fact that he even stabbed before saved his life. It's also never explained of after being stabbed in the back repeatedly two movies in a row, how in the third and fourth movie, the n- severed nerve that was causing all this damage oh, it's is explained. just... Is, it's, what? It's physical therapy. What? I'm, that's the write-off, but it, yeah, that's what it is. It's a severed nerve. <laughs> yeah, he really comes into his own in the fourth, and he lets us know physical therapy is oh, wow. great. That's crazy. But yeah, Dewey should be dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when you're watching it, you think he is. Like oh, 100%. Because I, I was like, wow, Randy's dead. Dewey's dead. They're they're clearing the, the cast. Running out of guys for the girls to get, <laughs> basically. <laughs> well, that's, the, that's something that I feel like they could have done in this that I feel like horror movies never talk about is there's always a weird way to get rid of any male presence for the final showdown. Usually to where it's just quote unquote helpless final girl and the killer. And I feel like that's always so weird that it's never a final guy. It's always a final girl and that it's always like these weird scenarios to get rid of any male presence so it is that standoff. Like, I, I, I don't mean that, in, like, I'm not saying that as like, oh, that's sexist. It's always a girl. Like, I just, it's a weird trope. What well, kind of is, though? You right. think it's sexist against guys? I would think it's no, more sexist against, against girls. girls. Yeah, because it's setting up a scenario where we think they're helpless, but they're not. Because they are. But they're the final girl, so they usually win. Or do they? <laughs> We're just going to keep asking your questions. Asking question. the tough questions here. <laughs> well, because like, a lot of those movies do end with you thinking she overcame them. But obviously, because she's a, a woman, uh, you don't completely <laughs> kill the enemy and they're alive at the end. Yeah. School well, Scream does a good job with does that. Does that open like... up for a franchise or is that just because she's actually weak? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I was getting ready to say Scream does a good job with that. If they always make fun of the like shooting them in the head to make sure they don't come back thing. Um, but yeah, so Dewey's out the window. Or out, no, well, he got stabbed into a window. Yeah, he's but, in the booth. Yeah, he's in the booth. No one's going to hear him. And, okay, so he's also there for a while. Yeah. He's bleeding. Between then, final showdown, and when the ambulance gets there, yeah, that dude's been bleeding out for like a solid Can couple hours. you just hours. imagine him in there going, Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> Cotton says he finds him later. So do you think Cotton found him and Dewey's just like, oh, God. And Cotton's like, I'm going to go get help. He's like, okay, great. And then yeah. Cotton disappears. Yeah. Cotton never comes back. So Dewey's just like, where is everybody? There's Gail. so much blood. <laughs> Who left pizza Ow. on the ground? Yeah. <laughs> on the wires. That's what kept him alive. He was eating the pizza. It gave him sustenance. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking about the clumsy killer earlier. This scene's kind of funny for that because he starts throw, picking up chairs and trying to break the glass. Oh, yeah. And well, he's like super clumsy. I kind of laughed at this I part. laughed at the... Because uh, Gail has a really smart maneuver here when he's trying yeah. to get through the door and she pushes the thing over to block the door. But I laughed so hard that the killer still like reaches his arm he's through like, and he's like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> And the sound effect is like... Whoosh, 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 whoosh. Just a little bit closer. <laughs> Did you do that in your practice? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so close. <laughs> I wanted Gail to like kick the door or something and just like break that dude's arm, but Yeah, that would make sense. 
Kale does break the rule that I would have followed here. Is she's in that room. She is safe. She ends up leaving the room. Wait till someone comes to you or try to find a way to contact somebody. Don't leave that room because they could just be waiting right there. Poor form, Gail. But while this is happening, Sydney's finally being escorted out of the school. Like, come on. This is your plan one after she's been attacked. Unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Too little, too late. Oh, yeah. It's finally, like, that's just so stupid. And um, she's saying her goodbyes. The roommate's going to come with her. Uh, She's saying goodbye to Derek. uh, Saying... How they did this, I actually thought was pretty clever because he says, after this is all over, I'll still be here. Like, and it's meant to be like sweet, but with the situation and then like the tone of music, like, ooh, that's pretty ominous. (laughs) He's like, I'll always be coming for you, Sydney. After she drives away, though, this is another weird, like, the I don't understand the letters thing. And this is also poor form. People are being stabbed all over campus by a hooded figure, and your Greek buddies think it's funny to, like, wander around in hooded things and be like, you're going to die tonight. And then they, like, kidnap him. Don't we see a glimpse of Ghostface here running by? Or I'm pretty no, no, sure. No, those are just the two Greek no, guys. No, but before that, though, I, I could have sworn that there you do see. And then Ghostface kind of turns the other way, like he was about to kill Derek, but doesn't. Oh. I, I could be. Right. I really thought so. Anyways, no, I mean there might have been. I didn't see anything. The uh, I this, but this makes no sense. And explain to me. I wrote down. I do not understand this party <laughs> because they kidnap him. They like ask him who he loves. Ask him who. Well, he's tied to a prop that appears to be like a son or something. Yeah, uh, he's from dead. the play. He's. Real like he's really tied. It's yeah, not like oh we we kind of like tied him up to this chair. He's like he's not moving. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> they have a funnel down his pants and are just pouring beer. And he's like, "Woo, that's cold." <laughs> Ooh. But they're just so they're just pouring beer on his dick. Like what? And yeah. then they're just like you said. They're like, "Who do you love?" He's like, "Sydney." <laughs> Did I hear you say you love your whatever with the brothers? It's like, no, I said Sydney. <laughs> Wait, you didn't say you love your little good brothers? <laughs> Can you not hear me? Sydney. It was really <laughs> weird. It's like, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. Oh, And all of them are like, t- all the girls are like touching him Yeah, weird. the girls chasing after him being kidnapped. They're like, yeah. this is so weird. It's so great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? That's why you weren't in a fraternity. I, oh, this, I would have been in the corner on the stage being like, so this is what we're doing tonight? I'm so frightened. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to go home before this turns into one of those date nights. But that is like, your house. That's the fraternity <laughs> house. That's where you live. No, they, they tie him up in the theater. Oh. That's in the, the stage of the theater. And this is kind of the weird part, you know, real talk here about talk. fraternities and crazy shenanigans that people get up to in there. So they're in college for a few years doing that kind of stuff. Then they graduate and they're out in the real world. <laughs> and they were never really taught that that wasn't okay. <laughs> You mean you can't just grab your friend, tie him to a play prop, and then leave him on stage yeah. overnight? Those people are among us. Oh, my gosh. They look like us. I still don't understand Animals. the funnel on the pants. I've, I've the funnel on the pants makes no sense. Because it's not butt chugging. The logistics of it wouldn't make sense. Don't knock it till you've tried it, bro. <laughs> just pouring beer on my dick? That's not going to do anything. <laughs> Who do you love, Mark? <laughs> Sydney! <laughs> but, Mark, if you're thirsty, you know where you got... You know, just something i don't know where you're going with yeah, that at I all i don't either <laughs> stop <laughs> while this party's happening though 
I this this scene infuriates me because no part of it makes sense. They're driving in the cop car. They pull up to a red light and they're like, "Where uh, where are you taking us?" One of them makes a joke of like, "We'd tell you, but we'd have to kill you." Real insensitive. Their lives are being threatened. Yeah, this is not. And then the cop, which Sydney li- earlier says he thinks she thinks might be gay, makes a "Don't ask, don't tell." That's not <laughs> referencing not being able to tell you something. Yeah, craft like, me up because <laughs> he gets obliterated. Yeah, well, this is where I start to get pissed off. The killer punches through a police car window. Isn't that shit supposed to be bulletproof? Yeah. And even if it's not, that hand's broken. It's a thick pane of glass you just punched through. Maybe and then they he, had knuckles. I don't know, but he slices the one cop's neck. Just and yeah. then like tries to like Jason Bourne slide over the roof of the car and then kicks the other cop as he gets out. And then we get a stupid standoff where he's like, "Okay, jackass, get out of the car! Or I'll waste you." Fucking shoot him. He stabbed your well, partner. Yeah, even that cut where it's like him putting the car into drive and going is like five seconds. Oh, like yeah. Plenty of time to. And he's we, like, get down back there. We talked about this in the Halloween episode when the one cop gets stabbed and the other cops at the other end of the hallway. Just and he's like, freeze. Sick. No, you unload <laughs> yeah. that motherfucker. Are you kidding yeah. me? Like, this is to a, die. This isn't a like, okay, let's do this by the book. You know, a lot of witnesses here. No, no, no. You're going to kill this guy, okay? Just shoot him. But then I actually did like this of the, even though he still should have shot him, of him being on the hood of the car be like, you pull this car over right now. <laughs> Maybe he was afraid to hit Sydney in the back or something with a Maybe. shot. I don't know. But he told him to get down. And if they got down, like, just go yeah, for it. Yeah, just go for it. Yeah. Um, also, yeah, I'm like, eh. I'm not but on this I side this, here. I liked this crash of that pipe just going straight through that cop's head. Yes, yeah, reminded me of the descent in like one of the opening oh, scenes. Oh yeah, movie. where it's the like really uh, gross. That yeah. is a pretty rough opening of that movie. I uh, I laugh that we get a. We've been talking about how bumbling the killer is in certain scenes. I like that we get a concussed killer <laughs> yeah. who I couldn't tell because he snaps out of it and pretty quickly after they like get out of the car. But while he's in the car, it's the weird thing of like <laughs> he's like. They like move a little bit and he wakes up and he's like, huh, huh, and like throws his arm around and then like is unconscious again. It's like, what's happening to him? <laughs> that just was like, I couldn't tell if he was like playing, like you're know, playing dead. To... So this part frustrated me. We have a gun on the hood of the car. Oh, like yeah. The gun is still there. Oh, yeah. And Sydney gets out of the car, doesn't get the gun. Oh, no. Yeah. That's. So when they get, finally crawl out of the car after the elaborate, they got to crawl through this thing and then up and over and they couldn't unlock the door. So the roommates got to do it, all that. And they're like running away. I'm like, the gun is right, right there. there. You put that against that asshole's head and you pull that trigger. There's not a yeah, jury in the even, world that would try to convict you. Don't even try to disarm him. Or see who he is. Well, she tries to go back to see right, who he is. Right, but it's too late. Yeah, that's way too late. And this is... Yeah, we've brought up a couple times the logistics. So is this still Mickey in this scenario? Well, like it is Mickey in the car because he has the head injury in the showdown. But when you know Ghostface is gone, and then the roommate's down the road, and he's like, "Where? What do you mean he's not there?" And appears behind her and ends her life. Did he teleport? Was that Mrs. Loomis? 
what ha- there's no way he could have gotten from that car to behind her without either of them seeing yeah the pitter patter of feet like but like nothing. there was a guardrail along the whole right side yeah so they would have like oh the logistics killed me i'm sorry that one this was the weirder scene in my opinion is the movie making fun of killers teleporting well, a, it is supposed to be like these movies are always satire i feel like that is kind of the joke it's making because i feel i'm trying to think what scene in this movie is also a kill that he teleports but i can't remember what it is uh i can't remember but so roommate's dead now and sydney makes a run for it and she goes to the theater why why does she go there because uh you know the theater's safe you know it's it's home. I don't know. I, I was wondering the same thing. Maybe it was the only building unlocked. <laughs> She's like enclosing herself in a Oh yeah. Building. She felt that the movie was coming to a close, so it needs to a dramatic stage ending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she like gets onto the stage and uh finds Derek tied up to this sun thing and he's like, Oh man, I thought I was gonna be there till opening night. You might have been, buddy. And you might have died, too, because that fraternity you're in is a little weird. That should have, post-credit scene, should have been that fraternity getting shut down. Yeah. <laughs> like the little, like, tagline, like, Sydney would graduate with, a like, a degree in da-da-da. Kappa Zeta, whatever, <laughs> was shut down for what they did to Derek. Or a scene of uh, Mickey, like, tied up wearing that ghost face <laughs> costume, and they're all, oh, like, gosh. pouring beer down his face. <laughs> They're like, you gave up your letters, too. <laughs> to Mrs. Loomis. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, she gets on stage. She's trying to untie him. And then the killer appears behind her and reveals himself to be Mickey. No. Which I remember the first time I watched this movie, I actually didn't think it was going to be him. So I was pretty yeah, surprised well, by that. Because it is a repeat. Yeah. Because he's Stu in this scenario. Yeah. And... Uh, I really liked this scene too of Timothy Oliphant playing the whole like well, his defense because I've been all no well yeah just the whole like I've been by myself the whole night because Derek here left me in the wind or disappeared you asshole like oh, really sells that he's a part that the boyfriend's a part of it and Jerry O'Connell's like the what he's lying don't like help untie me I like that was a truly believable moment of just like I wouldn't know what to do I wouldn't know whether to untie him or not because. Especially if you've had that happen to you, that's a pretty scarring moment. But then Derek goes and says some stupid stuff. Well, he says, I'm going to kill you, yeah, which wh- is a really <laughs> stupid thing to say exactly. while you're... Exactly. St- not, oh, I'm almost untied, or I'm like barely tied, maybe I can break out of this. You are really strapped to yeah, this you're, prop. You're almost <laughs> naked. You're strapped to a sun. You're hoisted up, and you're unarmed. Like yeah. you, There are no weapons anywhere for you. Yeah, and he's got... Well, I guess they don't we know he has know. the gun yet, yeah. but he has a knife and has been killing people. But yeah, Der- on, or Derek. Mickey shoots Derek in the chest. And that's a pretty realistic like scene. I was like, oh, oh shit! Did this just turn into a like Jason Lee thing? <laughs> like, did they just kill this actor on camera? <laughs> <laughs> but oh man, The Crow. The Crow. That's a good movie. It's a great movie. The Crow. The. <laughs> Uh, I really just like that whole dynamic of the killer manipulating her. I was actually hoping with that twist that, you know, Derek wasn't involved, that it was just going to be Mickey 
And that was going to be kind of the twist was that he was doing it all by himself. That could have been an interesting little dynamic. But no, we're introduced to, you know, Mrs. Loomis. But before that, we get that weird fake out of like, oh, who's doing the lights? Time to reveal my partner. And like Gail comes to the door. I thought that was pretty funny. I I just like how Sydney was so sure. She's like, Gail, I knew it. You know what I mean? (laughs) And then when it's the other lady comes through, she's like, Mrs. Loomis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wanted her to still think it's Gail and be like, look out, Gail's the killer, Mrs. <laughs> Loomis. <laughs> look, you need to get out of here. <laughs> Go get help. <laughs> yeah, because it's funny because you think back and uh, Sydney and Loomis hadn't been in a scene together for her to recognize her. Well, oh, yeah, that's true. Like within this movie, yeah. yeah. And then it would make sense. Sorry, I keep hitting that mic thing. The It would make sense that Sydney would recognize her because yeah. she dated Billy through high school, so like knew the mom. 60 and pounds later and a lot of work. It's called a makeover, Sydney. You should look into it. That was a really stupid line in this movie. I, I just It's ingrained in me now, though. Catfight. Catfight. This is, okay, this is where it goes off the rails for me. Yeah. Because Timothy Oliphant goes from like cool, calm, collective serial killer that's like working the system to where he's revealing his plan and he's super over the top. He's like, it's going to be about the trial. Get this, Sid. I'm going to blame the movies. What? I was immediately just like, the hell? <laughs> like, that's the defense? And he starts <laughs> saying, like, I bet the Christian League will fund my like legal bill and like Johnny Cochran will represent me and... Uh, And that's like while he's doing all this is he didn't want to get away with it. He wants to get caught and then go to trial and then get away with it. Yeah. He He wants to get off. (laughs) 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 It's just like that's so weird for a motive. Like it makes zero sense to me. Like I would have preferred it if he was just like a crazy person and he just wanted to. That's kind of what he is. No, but I mean like wanted to just redo the woodsboro thing yeah you know what do I mean? it better yeah do it better like him claiming he's like i want to do what billy and Stu did but i wanted to finish what you know like i was going to do one better and i was going to complete it you know what i mean or something um steady is just trolling serial killer forums yeah the and mrs loomis yeah, found on there. oh yeah <laughs> and then mrs loomis is just explained that she just wanted revenge and then oh mickey yeah. Oh, Mickey. There's not gonna, gonna be, be a, a trial. trial, and then just guns him down, which is pretty shocking. That was a good little shocking twist, and it was reminiscent of uh, the Billy and Stu scene. Of mm-hmm. it was very clear in the first movie that the original plan was that both of them were gonna survive, but Billy knew that it was just gonna be him because he couldn't trust Stu because Stu is Stu. <laughs> <laughs> so he stabs him. Yeah, them stabbing each other too is a that's crazy. a harsh scene in the first one. Uh. But yeah, so Mickey's dead, and um, we get this more rational confrontation of why Mrs. Loomis wanted to do it. Well, not rational. I just mean not as weird as blame the movies. Yeah, like, she even calls it out. Like, did you? Could you hear him? It's blame so the 90s. movies. <laughs> it's ninety-seven. We're not out of the nineties, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she just wants revenge for uh, you know her killing her son, and. It's also weird that each one of these movies, except for four, which is maybe why I like four, I could say I'd like four more than this, is it's not about Sydney's mom. 
Like this one is like, maybe I should blame your mom for splitting up my family. And then the third one, the killer does the same shit of like, this is all your mom's fault. And even Billy's motive in the first movie, they're like doing the whole, like, we don't have a motive. And that's the brilliance of our like crime or whatever. And then Billy's like, or how about this for a motive? Your whore mom broke up my family. And like, it's always about Sydney's mom. Like why? Who has not a word to her defense. Yeah. And it sounds so just like she's a terrible she's person. Yeah. Victim blaming. Mm. But they don't do that in the fourth as far as I understand. No. I don't think her mom's even brought up. Right? At least not in the reveal. Well, I mean, I guess the mom's kind of brought up because the aunt, Sydney's aunt in the movie is her mom's sister, right? Or yeah. something? And so, her cousin. Yeah, is um, Emma Roberts. Mm-hmm. But back to this movie, Scream 2, we get the quick little like chase around the theater and Sydney's using like props against her, which was weird. Like the pushing over the fake brick wall was really funny. Well, I don't me. know if you've ever experienced those bricks or whatever. They're not heavy. No. They're not intended They're to styrofoam. knock you out. They're yeah. styrofoam. <laughs> what I was laughing at is Mrs. Loomis seemed like genuinely scared of the lightning strike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like waving the giant metal like tin thing and it's just like her being like, oh my God. <laughs> She's very uh, innocent in that way. <laughs> She's like, Cindy, we got to find shelter. <laughs> Special effects does a number on her. <laughs> Maybe that's commentary on how high budget that theater program is. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, her being afraid of the st- like the fake stone wall that's pushed on top of her killed yeah. me. And when you already dodge one set of lights that's falling down, you just stay in that area, right? Because there's that nothing was, else that's gonna that fall. That was legitimately like a oh shit moment is of her knocking the lights down and almost crushing her. Like that's good, but, but then, then just it's stay like... there though. Like, and then you can cut all the other ropes. And nothing else doesn't fall. That was the thing that was right there. You know what? Sydney might be a member of the League of Shadows because you know what that was? Deception and theatricality. Two powerful weapons. <laughs> wow. That's right. I made a Batman, Batman reference. <laughs> always finds a way. Always finds a way. I like the axe. It was Bane comes out. Day. He's the third killer. <laughs> Which will break first, Sydney? Your spirit or your body? Oh, your body. <laughs> Breaks her back. <laughs> Mrs. Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that'd be a better ending to this. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bane comes out of nowhere. Before this, uh, Gale fell down. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I was <laughs> shot by <laughs> Timothy Oliphant. He's, like, dying, pulling oh, the yeah. gun, like, trigger. Yeah, because when, yeah, when she shoots Timothy Oliphant, he gets a shot off, but it hits Gale right in that gut. It's, like, not even aimed, either. It's just, like, kind of going out. Out and to the goes, side. <laughs> <laughs> and she falls off the front of the stage. Where the I, orchestra pit. Yeah, where the orchestra pit. Which, impressive that this college has an orchestra pit. Okay, they... I mean, you can major in music, right? And like, that's the but, orchestra pit for you. <laughs> Why wouldn't they be on stage for an orchestra performance? Because there's a play going on. <laughs> that's the orchestra pit for the We're like, getting caught musical. up on this. We're getting caught up on this. You the, act like you've never been on stage before, Marcus. I have, but we didn't have an orchestra pit. It's true. <laughs> they were off to the left. Yeah. <laughs> you had a ball pit. Take it back now, y'all. <laughs> but yeah, so Gail's presumed dead, but she's everyone knows she's not dead. And after this weird prop fight chase scene. I, um, yeah, it's, it's not good either. I yeah, the, like the mom gets the upper hand, and then who should have randomly appear? Bane. I mean, Cotton Weary. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. He he has the build. He could be a Bane. Beef him up a little bit. He's a big dude. He's a big guy. Leave. <laughs> but yeah, then it's like a standoff of, like, I don't know. Like, this is a weird thing. 
like conversation because he basically ends up being like, I bet that Diane Sawyer interviews looking pretty good right now. And she's like, you got a deal. And did he? That's when he decides yeah. to shoot Miss Loomis. That seems like that's gonna come up in the criminal report. Yeah, one. But Cotton's like, not gonna look too good. Sydney has that pull. Hey, Barbara, we're gonna interview Cotton. Oh no! Well, he had said in the library scene that Diane Sawyer had contacted him. Yeah, but yeah. No, I'm so with like, you. Sydney I'm with you. That. It's like super weird. I don't like that interaction. Yeah. And then uh, Gail comes out of the orchestra pit because she's alive and uh they do the whole thing from the first movie of they shoot mrs loomis in the head to make sure she doesn't come back but no, then no 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 this is that's after oh is that after mickey comes back yeah. i flipped him yeah because mickey pops up He's like, ah! Ah! <laughs> they just unload on and him and he just flips <laughs> yeah it was like 80s movie like He's attached to a string, and as yeah. soon as he's hit, he like flies. <laughs> just clearly making fun of. Oh yeah, for sure. I like how he's like flailing his arms. Oh yeah, like. and I like that it's not like he sneaks up on him. He just like pops to his feet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but then yeah, then they shoot Mrs. Loomis straight in that forehead. Pop I'm that pop dome. Yeah, pop that dome, and uh, they end up yeah like so. This is the wrap of the movie. They end up going outside. Sydney does like all the news cameras. They're like, Sydney, Sydney, Sydney. She's like, you know what? You really want to talk to Cotton Weary about this. <laughs> and then Cotton's line is like, I don't know how to describe it, but I'll tell you one thing. It'd be an incredible movie. But um, And uh, Dewey's somehow alive. <laughs> yeah, because Gail comes out and uh, Joel's back and he wants to like get the scoop and then you hear, we got a live one. We got a live one over here. Yeah, and the ambulance like have them on the gurney. They're like, we found the student in a soundproof room. <laughs> Going down all the steps. Like, <laughs> <"Duck, duck, duck, laughs> <"Duck, duck." laughs> we found him on some pizza, man. <laughs> oh, but yeah, she like gets in the ambulance to like ride off with him. And I'm just baffled that that dude's alive. That's where they drop the line, too. It's like, the knife went to some scar tissue. Saved his life. Saved his life. You know that was a like an ADR of um, them watching the movie and being like, we need to figure out how to explain how this dude's alive. How They're did like, he make uh, it? Scar what, tissue? What sounds vaguely medical? <laughs> scar tissue. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Because he's been stabbed there before. Right. So we'll just say Mickey stabbed him in the exact same spot. <laughs> Repeatedly. That uh, Billy and Stu stabbed him, and uh, he'll, be all, he'll be all good. <laughs> scar tissue that I wish I saw. <laughs> I was thinking of that, too. Are Red Hot Chili Peppers not in this? They should have been. They're a staple of the 90s. I did not like this final shot, though, because it's Sydney after doing the Cotton Weary thing is like walking off by herself. Like, I don't know where she's going, but she's just <laughs> walking off. And then like a weird, cheerful song starts playing as it like scans out over the over the campus. It's it's weird. It's the like burden weird... of her past is finally lifted. But is or it? Is it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I feel like in one of these movies, Sydney should have ended up being the killer, right? Like, doing the whole... Well, I know in the third one, that ends up being what the guy's trying to frame Sydney for, is, like, finally snapping and killing everybody. But she's been through a lot, and I feel like they could have sold a movie where she ends up being a killer or something. Maybe they might. Maybe that'll be the fifth one? I don't know. But yeah, that's, that's Scream 2. Um, this is a weird one because I, I, as we move into our segment of like, how would you fix this? This is a weird one because it's not, there's nothing overt about the storyline that bothered me to where I'd want to fix it. Really? So, I feel like, 
except for I want to change the motives of uh, Mickey, and I, I would actually think it'd be cool to not have a second killer, and the entire time you think it's a second killer, and to just not have it. Like the whole really sell that there's two killers, do that same thing where Mickey's doing the whole like, you know, Derek left me high and dry, been out by myself, and then it just you know, after he kills Derek being like, no, no, I've been doing this by myself the whole time. You know what I mean? Like a whole fake out. And I would change his motives too. You would keep Randy dead. I, I think, I think Dewey should have died. Randy should have stayed, especially when you look at the like series as a whole. Cause I think Randy could have been an interesting character having the third one. Like Randy could have been working in Hollywood for the third one as they said it in Hollywood. You know what I mean? And because really, Deputy Dewey does nothing in the other movies. He's just kind of there. He really doesn't do anything in this one. So, yeah, I would switch that out too. I would do Dewey dies, Randy lives. Yeah, that's. I think that's my take. Other than that, I would just cut out a few scenes that make this movie two hours. It, it really could have been a hour forty, hour thirty five movie. Really, yeah. With how many kills they had, each kill was like a five minute scene at least right and because they have the two killers the final showdown ends up being so long and they do it really the well in the first movie yeah. diatribes Be- right because in the first movie the showdown's not doesn't seem that long too because it's the final reveal and everything and they're both there already so it's not a let's do one reveal then another it's just both of them and then they set it up in a situation where because Stu's been stabbed repeatedly by bill billy to where he can't really do anything. He's kind of out of the picture for a little bit during the final showdown. And then Sydney's able to dispatch Stu real quickly. And then it's just Billy and Sydney. Like it's it's a lot faster paced, I feel like, than this showdown, which I think hurts it in its kind of like tone. But uh yeah, that's kind of my thing. And then we've already talked about the sing song cafeteria scene. That that shit needs to be gone. The uh the weird theater program shit needs to be gone um i feel like there's a couple scenes that could have just been shorter but other than that it's still like this is a really fun movie so there's not a lot for me to like rework (laughs) yeah what about you john um i think that i would have liked to see more of randy and dewey teaming up and kind of getting into shenanigans i've that scene where they that we talked about uh, about the rules of the sequel is like really funny and well right. done and we didn't see a lot of them together um so maybe having them kind of together more before they killed off one of them i guess needed to be done um i also would have made the roommates of sydney's roommate i'm blanking on her name. what is her name i think it's Haley. yeah it's Haley. Haley. i would have made her be the killer um Ooh. just because it's someone that she tr- that sydney has come to trust but it's not the boyfriend trope again and so it's like that setting up the third movie where her like one of her best friends has turned on her, one of her boyfriend has turned on her. So it's like who does she trust? Would at you this have point? her team up with Miss Loomis, or would it be her and Mickey? I, the Miss Loomis and Mickey thing I was kind of like lukewarm about. Okay, um, so would you ju- do just Haley? Either just Haley, or I mean the Miss Loomis thing I could get on board with, I guess. But um, I thought that Haley would have been a better twist than Mickey. So. Um, and it would give Sydney trust issues going forward. Again, I guess making yeah, she doesn't have darker. enough of those. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like she needs fuel to that. But I really, I really like your idea of the uh, Randy Dewey 
teaming up. I would have preferred that over the him and Gale or doing Gale thing because yeah, I agree with you completely on the that one of the, they're talking in that diner scene is because they're both they're both kind of like they're not dumb, but they're both like goofy to where I think they kind of play off each other well, where they're both kind of ridiculous. So it could have been interesting for them to go on like a wacky investigation and like we like peter like you said it's an adult scooby-doo that would have been a very like scooby shaggy trying to find the killer moment that could have been funny and revealed plot points you know it could have made a entertaining little segue they like stumble into the actual killer or right something and, or something like that yeah they yeah. find out something that by accident because they're you know they're ridiculous i like that that's a good one john peter what about you i just wouldn't have killed randy mm. It's the saddest thing. It is sad. Would you have killed Joel instead? You made Joel the killer? Joel. He's the camera. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, no. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I'm glad he made it yeah. through to the end. I was a little scared uh, that he wouldn't. But, I mean, outside of that, I'd, another thing that separated the end of this movie from the first one was the first time their motives lined up. But then these two killers had completely, oh, completely different, different motives, ones. and we had to have an earful about both of them. Well, I would argue the first one, they kind of line up. Because I think Stu didn't know about the Billy thing. But for the most part, they were on the same page yeah, of Stu how they were going to have a motive. Oh, right. And I, I agree with you, though, that in the first one, they both had the same mindset of what was going to happen. Like, you know, how it was going to play out, that they were going to frame the dad, they were going to be the lone survivors, and get away with it all. Like, I agree with you, yeah. this The fact that they were just, both of them on this one were on the same page did stand out, and that was kind of weird. Yeah, it was fine. I enjoyed the movie. The ice cream's awesome. It's also weird, uh, this is weird to say, because there's a gun in the end of the first one, but the two guns like shootout standoff thing in this one kind of took away a little bit from it. I, I feel like, I don't know. That was just kind of a last little thought. I don't know. Weird thing. Uh, I'm trying to think if you could have set that up differently, but I don't know. Maybe more theater props to thwart the killer. <laughs> That'd be fun too. <laughs> it oh, was man. effective. It was. It was very effective. Um, well, that was all Scream 2. Any final thoughts? Go see the rest of the franchise if oh, you yeah. haven't. It's I, worth your free time. Oh yeah, you can <laughs> suffer like threes. Scream three is not like unsufferable. You know what I mean? It's still watchable. It's just kind of a letdown, really. And uh, then Scream four is just—it's not Shakespeare, but it's super <laughs> fun. <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's—it's it's just kind of self-aware, wacky. You know what I mean? Which makes it okay. I think one of my favorite parts of Scream in general is that it's Wes Craven making fun of the tropes he helped set up. Oh, yeah, 100%. And so, like, uh, it makes it that much more enjoyable. You're like, ah, so you know you do all this stuff. Yeah. And then you're even making fun of it. It's not you making fun of other people. It's it's almost self-deprecating. Oh, yeah, for sure. And there's, like, a scene in the um, in the very beginning in Sydney's room where there's, like, the Freddy Krueger sweater and stuff like that. So I like that he does little things like that. R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, all right. Well, that was Scream 2. Um, wait, is it my turn yeah, next? Yeah, it's your turn. Oh, yeah, it's my turn next. Uh, I haven't thought of a movie I want to do, but uh, it should be. It'll be great. 
It'll be a great sequel. Uh, <laughs> it'll be the best. It'll be the, b- the actually, best sequel. I'm probably going to pick a really bad sequel that I'm like super surprised was made. The best worst sequel. I might do Sandlot 2. That's a pretty bad one. I've never seen that movie. I didn't know it existed for a long time and then finally watched it. It hurt. <laughs> Should not have existed. Should not have existed. Um, well, yeah, that was the Too Much Free Time podcast where you can reach us at too much, uh, tmftpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at tmftpodcast. Uh, you know, email us your thoughts of what you want to hear us talk about. Uh, uh, help us grow by leaving us a comment and uh, rating us. And uh, we'll see you next week. 